Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. God bless you as you are seated. Amen, amen. The Lord is so good, isn't he? Praise God, what a move of the Lord, the presence of the Lord we feel now and in our service this morning. Amen. Sister Rachel, if you can help me for a minute. Haven't done this in a while. But uh, if it wasn't for the Lord, where would you be? Come on, let me ask you a question here today. If it wasn't for the Lord, where would you be? If God did not give you grace, where would you be right now? Every good thing we have is from the Lord. The joy in our heart, the peace in our spirit. Come on, the blessings in our life, the finances you receive, the family that circles you, the ability to rest at night is from the Lord. Amen. Generational blessings that come. I mean, no, it's from God. The old song says, In sin I wondered, sore and sad, with a bleeding heart and an aching head. But Jesus came and sweetly said, I'll take your sins away. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for a second chance. Thank God for mercy. You can be seated.
nation shout hallelujah. The psalmist said, clap your hands, all you people, and shout with a voice of triumph. If he's ever blessed you, if he's ever done anything for you, you got a right to say amen. You got a right to Somebody else wrote, I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. Save me. One day when I was lost, he died upon a cross. I know it was the blood that saved me. so glad he saved me amen he saved me look at your neighbor and say he saved me I was on my way to hell but he saved me he picked me up turned me around placed my feet on solid ground I know the master I know the savior I thank God he healed my crooked feet saved my daughter that was dying. He healed my wife's leg. He lifted my head when I was discouraged. He put me on the right path. Amen. He's on. Come on. He's, he's worth getting excited about this morning. say it like you mean it. I know it was the blood. Then somebody else saying, he brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock to stay. He put a song in my soul today. A song of praise. Hallelujah. Oh, he brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock to stay. He put a song in my soul today. A song of praise. Hallelujah. I've got it. Amen. I love the old songs. Somebody else hit. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faintest cry. He will answer by and by. When you feel a little prayer will turn in, you'll know the fire is burning. Find a little talk with Jesus. Like a bird in prison, I dwell. My dad was saying, No freedom from. 
sorrow I felt But Jesus came and listened to me Glory to God He set me free Oh, He set me free, yes He set me free Sit from heaven with a shout. The angels, the angels are going to sound the trumpet. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. One day, there's an old song that says, It may be in the morning, maybe evening, night, or noon. I don't know when it's coming, but I know it's coming soon. Now, when the angel sounds the trumpet, the Bible says that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you is going to quicken your mortal body. He's going to give you resurrection power to go from this earth to that place beyond the blue. It's called heaven. How many pray on going to heaven one of these days? Hallelujah. Soon and very soon, we're going to 
see the king. I believe it was Andre Crouch who wrote this song. Hallelujah, we're going to see the King. There will be no more dying there. Going, there will be no more dying there. There will be no more dying there. We're going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we're on the other side there's no more sickness on the other side no more sorrow no more parting one of these days when the roll is called up yonder somebody shout I'm going to be there somebody's planning on making heaven your home one of these days hallelujah I just feel this because I was raised on this I appreciate the new songs I like them there's also some old songs. Songs of where we come from. Where we used to be. Used to be in bondage. Used to be a sinner. Saved by grace. It's not of yourself, it's a gift of God. But I also don't want to forget where I'm going. This land, this earth is just temporal. Look at your neighbors in the world. This world is not our home. Hebrews chapter 11. We're just pilgrims and strangers passing through this, this earth. But I got a mansion on the other side. Excuse me for just meddling for a moment, but Jesus said, if you believe in God, John 14, believe also in me, for in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so, but I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. Amen. That's the word of the Lord. That is the word of the Lord. Second Chronicles chapter 26. Second Chronicles chapter 26. I want to give you something that's just in my spirit. I, I really do love the Lord love living for him I can't imagine living any other life I want, want nothing more than my kids to live this life 2nd Chronicles 26 you know what you can be seated I'm just going to preach if you'll keep your Bibles open though we'll, you can follow along We had such a touch of the Lord last night. 
If you know David Bounds, you know laughter. Yesterday was his 47th birthday. I went down to there to spend the afternoon with my brother and took Sawyer and Jillian with me while the others were out of town. By the way, thank you for sport, sponsoring and helping our quizzers go to Florida. I think there was a group of about 42 that went down to Florida. Somebody's got to do it, you know. Somebody's got to go to Florida. And what a, what a great experience for these quizzers to, get word of the, to learn the word of the Lord. And um, great, great moment, great time for them, encouraging for them. A lot of fun, a lot of laughter. But my wife was unable to be there with me yesterday in Lake, and they were out of town but, and Finn. But we were there, and last night we laughed. My dad told so many stories that were fun. My mom was telling stories. Those are good times, aren't they? The stories. And then somewhere it turned. Start talking about the things of God, the kingdom of God, the miracles we've seen, gifts of the Spirit that's operated. When we did, the presence of the Lord came into the house very, very strong. It stirred something within us. My niece, uh, fiance, or my niece's husband, texted me. Was just talking about the experience, and he said, we've been crying, driving down the road, so thankful for what we felt, and thankful for the stories we heard. Because truly, there's nothing like living for God. I look back and see brother and sister Harden that, that are here, have dealt with sickness for some period of time, and they said, we can't wait to get back to the house of God, and we are so glad that y'all were able to be here back, amen, today. And uh, look back and see their family. So thankful. There's nothing like going to the house of God. And Brother Nehemiah, while we were sharing stories of miracle moments, and we were telling funny stories, funny things happen in the house of God sometimes. We were sharing some of those stories, but also moments that miracles happened and prophets spoke and people were healed and promises were received and things that happened in the house of God. The Lord, you see, the Bible says that you entertain angels unaware. When you start talking about the things of God, they come to where you are. Also, if you talk about the wrong things, you can entertain wrong spirits. How many's ever dived into a conversation and then the atmosphere became a little bit challenged? Anybody relate with that? You start saying, we probably shouldn't went down this road of this conversation because the atmosphere doesn't feel right. Because what do you talk about entertains things, meaning they draw attention to it. The Bible says, be careful, lest you, beware lest you entertain angels unaware. I, I know it's out of principle. I, I know it's maybe out of context, but the principle remains. I do believe that we can have conversations that the angelic things of God come to us. Somebody in the room there last night said they saw what they believed was an angel in the room just in a house where we were at. You can read about that in, first, in Acts chapter 10 where an angel showed up in the house, Cornelius' house. But I do believe in the good things of God. And, and uh, last week I talked about Bethel. The house of God was out in the open. There was no ceiling. There was no tent. It was Jacob leaning on the ground with his head. I used that speaker as a pillow and, and God gave him a dream and later the Lord said, I spoke to you in the dream. I appeared to you in the dream and God had come to Jacob in a dream and gave him direction for his life. Abraham the same way. But David, uh, excuse me, but Moses in the mountain, the Lord showed Moses, he said, I want you to build a tabernacle. Another word for tabernacle is the word tent and you'll find that in the wilderness for 40 years they had a tabernacle. 
It was a tent. It represented the dwelling place of God. You go from there, the second king of Israel named David. He was said, Lord, he said, you've dwelt in a tent for years, but I live in a sealed house. I would like to build you a house. And we come to know that through the leadership of Solomon, that house was finished, started and finished. And Solomon built the temple of God. It was so profound that a queen of Sheba traveled a thousand miles without a plane, a train, or an automobile, just a caravan of camels and carrying her there, the rugged terrain to get there. And when she arrived, she said, the half was not yet told me. When I see the happiness of thy people, when I see the prestige of this and your ascent, even up to the house of the Lord. She said, it took my breath away. The Bible said there remained no spirit left in her. She was enamored by the glamour of the house of God. I wanna say here today that I don't wanna ever lose the appreciation of the house of God. Now when you first come and you look around and people are happy and worshiping, there's an exuberance, there's something special about going on and you feel something and a tear runs down your eye. You go out of that church service, you say, oh, that's the best I've felt as long as I can remember. I, I feel the peace of, Pastor, would you mind if I stay for the second service? I've had them to tell me, well, sure, you can stay for the second service. And they leave and they call me next week, say, I feel so good. Something was special about that. I don't wanna lose that. That church just becomes something else I check off on the box. I don't want it just to become another event that I go to. I don't want the house of God, a place where I'm in communion with the Lord, to become just another task that I've got to fulfill during the week. No, I want it to be the glamorous experience to say when I get there, the Lord is there. When I get there, I'm gonna go worship him. I'm so, come on. The psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I can't wait till Sunday. When I get up on Monday, I can't wait till Sunday to get back to the house of God because something happens at the house of God. Something happens at the house of God. But somehow through time, for one king passed down to the other, this place that people would travel all over to see it was no longer a spectacle of beauty and glamour and glory. Somewhere it had become a fading flower trampled under the feet of people that do not appreciate what used to be so beautiful to them. I can say to you that those that come for the first time, maybe in bondage and sin, living a life of, of sin, when they come to the house of God and they feel the peace of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God, the delivering power of God, the healing of God, and they walk out and say, never experienced anything like it. And across the aisle from them is somebody, somebody that was raised in this, Never needed to be healed, never needed to be saved, never needed to be delivered, never needed to be. And they can come over there and not worship not one iota. Not, they're here, not that they don't wanna be here, but they don't realize what it would be like without this place. They don't realize what their life would be without the house of God. Who are you preaching to? I'm preaching to the boy that, that was that, that was raised in this. Was I healed? Yeah, but before I could remember. I was in the house, did I feel the presence of God? Absolutely, did I love it? Absolutely, but I didn't know there was such a thing as a life without that. I didn't know the value of this, that the blessing, the hand of God over me was because of parents that brought me to the house of God. I didn't know, I'd never experienced it too young to understand what it would be to wake up one day without the peace, the love, and the grace of God in my life. It was not until I was a mid-teenager that young people began to come to our church that were bound by addictions and bound by brokenness and broken homes and broken minds and broken spirits that they out-worshipped me. 
They read the New Testament through before I did. And I was, had been in this all my life. They, they outprayed me. They, they wanted to go to church more than I wanted to go. They would wake me up at 5.30 in the morning to go to the house of God and pray. Every day they wanted to pray. And I was, I was complacent and mediocre. It's not that I didn't want to be there. It's not that I didn't value it, but I didn't truly know how valuable it really was, the house of God. It wasn't until their testimony said, Aaron, you don't realize what you have. Everything I've looked for in the world, everything I've tried to find in sin, what was missing in my life was in this house. Can I say to you, you can't work enough overtime and get it. You can't make enough money to replace it. You can't drink enough alcohol to satisfy it. You, you, you can't do enough drugs, go enough vacations to find the rest that you're looking for. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only he can heal your heart and make you whole. He'll give you peace you never knew, joy and happiness to only Jesus. Somebody say only Jesus. Amen, the one that was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached to the Gentiles, believed in the world and received up in the glory, Timothy said. This God that walks among us, walks up and down these rows, up and down the aisles of this church, knowing what you need, waiting on you to respond. And if we're not careful, we fold our arms and become used to what the world's looking for. Generationally blessed and not knowing, Jacob said, not really realizing the value of this place. Somehow a young man by the name of Uzziah becomes king in this place. He's 16 years old. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want a pastor that was 16. Would you? I was 29 and felt too young when I became the pastor. But he was 16 years old and was the king. Really what was against him was everything that was for him. Are y'all with me today? Unexperienced, too young, lack of wisdom never been married, doesn't know what it's like to parent, how in the world can he solve a problem? He didn't, never had a problem, he's 16. One time I was 15 years old just leading the service and my dad, I got on the church because they weren't worshiping good enough. You know, I'm like, my God, we ought to be thankful. So you, you saints ought to be here. And uh, I went back and sat down. He said, get up. I sat down on the platform. He said, get up. He said, if you're going to get on them to worship, you better get up and worship yourself. He told me later, he said, they've worked all day. Just enough time, maybe got something to eat and shower, but maybe not. Come to this church and you jumped, <laughs> I was 15. He said, all you've done is play basketball. 15, lack of wisdom. Don't know what it's like to have a problem. But the Bible says as long as he sought the Lord, the Lord prospered him. I need you, God. I don't have the wisdom, God. What do I do in this situation, oh Lord? God, only you can prosper my way. This kingdom needs you, not me. I just want to be a conduit. He sought the Lord and the Lord prospered him until some decades later. He is now not just a king. He's the king. He's the king that everybody looks to. He is, he is the inventor with, with the latest technology, though thousands of years ago wouldn't seem like much now with all of our high-tech IT technology, but 
in that day, he was the inventor of the battering ram and the catapult. It was the latest. They were the world power. And the Bible gives this one verse in chapter 26 of 2 Chronicles verse 16. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. All of a sudden, he's got enough money now. He's been delivered long enough now. He's been in church long enough now that he doesn't need to pray. Some of you turn me off, but y'all need to turn it back on here right now. He doesn't need to pray. He's got it. He's got enough money in the bank, enough in retirement, driving a nice car, living in a nice house. He's got the career. He's got it figured out. Don't need to pray now. I'll just go when I want to. And, and he entered the house of God, lifted up in his own pride, lifted up in his own giftings and talent when he was just a boy. He needed God, but now he doesn't. He's got every single thing he needs. Is he going to go to the house of God? Yeah, but it's not the same way. He's gonna go do what he's supposed to do instead of go get what he needs to get. You'll never be at a place where you do not need God. Come on, that's why some people that are in trouble can out-worship us and out-seek us because we don't need him. Some of the best thing that's ever happened to people is when God pulls a rug out from under you and you gotta need him again and say, how am I gonna get through this? I don't know how I'm gonna get through this. And God said, I'm the only way. Come on, how many know we need him? I don't want to have to live in brokenness to need God. I want to be able to live with him in success and say, God, I still need you. I, everything I have is because of you. Everything I have. He's, he's so big now. He's so strong now that he now dictates how he's going to worship. Instead of humble himself to worship the way the law said to worship. He walks in and tells the priest, I'm gonna offer my own incense. And they said, no, the Bible says that they were men. Verse 17 says these priests were, the priests were violent men. They were good men, strong men. It wasn't that he was gonna offer his own incense because people weren't good enough. It was just, he was now better than them. Look at your neighbor and say, don't, don't, don't think of yourself too high. I'll pray my own prayers. I'll do my own things. I'll go my own way. I'll worship if I want to. I won't if I, won't, if I don't want to. It, it cannot be that way. It cannot be that way. And he, he comes to the house of God and the priest said, you can't do this. You've got a censer in your hand. It's not supposed to be in your hand. You're the king, but you're not the priest. Listen, you might have success, but it doesn't mean that you don't need somebody in your life touching God for you. You should never arrive at a place where you don't need God or need, a, need the house of God or need a minister in your life. I don't need anybody telling me no. I've arrived now. I'm smarter than the preacher. That's possible. I'll give you that. But it doesn't mean you know more than the preacher. Just because you're smarter, more intelligent, whatever, it doesn't mean you know more because God speaks to the man of God. Well, you know, the, the, we've got an evangelist coming. Well, that's not my favorite evangelist. That should not be why you stay home. Go because the Bible says we're edified by the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. We need somebody that can hear from God because that's where Bethel was started. It was when heaven opened and God appeared to them and said, now let me tell you what you're gonna be. Don't ever arrive at that place and say, I don't no longer need an appearance from God. I no longer need direction from the Lord. I need him in my life. Come on, clap your hands and praise him. I want you to tell somebody beside you, sometimes the blessing can be a curse. Get caught up in all the stuff and forget about the one that gave it. I don't want to ever forget about the blesser because of the blessing. 
That's what Uzziah did. A humble man now became strong and his heart was lifted up to his own destruction. When's the last time you cried before the Lord? When's the last time you opened your heart and said, I'm so thankful. I just want you to know that God, everything, everything I have because you've given it to me. Come on, is that, that's humility before the Lord. Amen. I think we ought to do that right now. That you ought to lift your hands, lift your hearts and tell the Lord, I'm so thankful for my family. Lord, the vehicles we drive, the house we live in, food on our table, clothes on our body. I thank you for blessing our country, blessing our congregation, blessing us individually, the health that I have, eyes I see through, ears I listen from, heart that beats and the lungs that breathe, kidneys that work, an immunity, Lord, that is strong. Thank you. I give you glory for that today. The ability to walk and talk to love and care, the ability to emotionally feel and connect. Thank you, God, that my cup runneth over. Come on, anybody feel what I'm saying right now? He knew better. And the priest said, you can't. That's the, this unlawful what you're about to do. But because he thought he was above them, he tries to push them out of the way and leprosy comes on his forehead. You know, sin almost always starts in the head. Leprosy comes in the head of the king. Successful, world leader. He's older now. He's probably got gray hair. But he is a whole lot better off when he was ruddy and young and needed God. And when he tries to push the man of God out of his life, the priest out of his life to do his own thing, his own way before the Lord. Leprosy comes in the head. There's a verse that says, when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. When sin is finished, it brings forth death. Sin always starts in your head. It always starts. If you study leprosy in Scripture, you're going to find it's a type of sin. It's a type and shadow of sin. It's a physical appearance of what sin would do. What leprosy does, once leprosy gets in you, in those days, in those days, it was an incurable disease. The only way you could get better was, it was an absolute act of God if you'd be healed of that. The only way to remove leprosy was God. The only way to remove sin is God. What leprosy does, the leprosy, when it gets in the body, it causes you to lose the ability to feel. You don't know how much pressure you're putting. You, you, you lose the nerve endings of, of feeling. And things that used to bother you won't bother you now. You set your hand on the stove, you can drag your foot, you can kick something, and you think you're kicking it one way, but you're kicking hard until your, your fingers start rubbing down to the nubs, and you scratch your nose and literally start tearing your nose off and not realize it because you can't feel. One of the greatest gifts you have is your sensitivity to pain. It's, oh, I, oh, oh, the little, the little girl, last night, Sadie, my, my two-year-old niece, she reached up and touched the, the oven front and pulled her hand off. She said, don't touch that, that's hot, baby. And she'd already jerked back because she has the ability to feel that, don't do that. But what happens when leprosy comes, you leave your hand there too long. You hold on to it too long. You allow it in your life too long. You put it to it's now damaging and you don't even know to move until you smell something burning and realize. And that's what sin does. You, you grab a hold of this and at one point, you just said, no, I can't touch that. Oh, I can't think that. Oh, I can't go there. I can't get on that website. I can't listen to that music. It, it, all of a sudden now, it doesn't bother you like it used to. 
Sin is now in the, in the head. But it, once it's in the head, it starts spreading over the body until guess what sin always does. The Bible says he went from here to a several house, which was a house for lepers, and he was now separated from family. And the Bible says he died not going to the house of the Lord. From that day forward, he didn't walk back in the house of God. He died not going to the house. Could I tell you the number one reason people quit going to church is because leprosy gets in the mind. Leprosy gets in the hair. And when leprosy gets in, it always separates. It'll separate families. It'll separate from the things of God. And listen, when you separate from the house of God, it won't be long till you start separating from the things that God has given you. You'll be separated from peace, separated from joy, separated from, from confidence, separated from from some level of success until it's not long, until you have turned inwardly to self-destruction. You start destroying sin, will start destroying you. Things get in your life. You wanna let go of it, but you can't. You wanna stop doing it, but you can't. It's called sin. Sin, oh, I wish I could stop smoking this, popping this, drinking this, going here, but you can't. And you're tearing yourself Apart, it's a self-destructive disease. Nobody has to touch you. Nobody has to hurt you. Nobody has to hit you. You tear yourself apart till you die. It's leprosy. And now on this man that was humble before the Lord, that was, oh God, I need you. I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know about tomorrow. God, I don't have the wisdom, but I need you. And the Lord prospered his way until he got to a place where he no longer had to seek God. He, Went to church, he can go when he wanted to or stay home when he wanted to. He had to take, dictate how he's gonna worship and who's gonna offer the, oh, I can do it myself. I just do it my own way. And then sin moves in. The problem is, and what I'm talking about today is it's a here a little, there a little issue. Uh, he didn't go from 16 to this age and make this decision overnight. This was decades in the process. This was seven years. This was 10 years down the road and the Bible talks this verse and everybody hold your hand up like this. Everybody hold your hand up like this. Do this, say just a little. It's here a little and there a little. It's, it's just, it's just, it's just a, 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 a little bit of compromise over a few weeks, a few years. It's just here a little, there a little. It's just, it was just one morning of not reading my Bible. It was... One Sunday, well, you know, I'm just a little bit tired. God understands. I worked a long week. I'm going to stay home today. And One week to two weeks. And next thing you know, it's a service here and a service there. Until you look over your life as somebody I talked to recently in another state over a year now. Never dreamt they wouldn't go to the house of God. But it was just a service here, a midweek here, until how do we get to where we are? The road from Jerusalem to Jericho the road from Jerusalem to Jericho is, is downhill. The substantial difference of elevation is massive. But if you walk from Jerusalem to Jericho, you would never know you're going downhill because it's so gradual. Kings did not walk away from God in a month. Saul wandered away over several decades. Every service matters. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Give us this day our daily bread. Don't, don't be like the guy that goes to the grocery store and he prays over the food in the, in the grocery cart so he can cover the week's worth. Say, I prayed over my food for the whole week. Bless God, I don't have to pray. Don't be, don't be that guy. 
Some people pray over it and say, I'll cover breakfast in the morning. I got the whole day, so I can just eat what I want to. When you sit down, you ought to just say, thank you for breakfast. Sit down at the table, thank you for lunch. When you're down at dinner time, amen. Some of you are pre-chip. Some of you are mid-chip and post-chip. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you pray before they ever put, eat the chips and salsa. Some of you eat your chips and salsa, and then you eat. The meal, you pray before the true meal comes. Are there any pre-chip people in here? How many eat your chips and then you pray before you eat the meal? Can I get a witness from somebody right now? Hey, the fact of the matter is, somewhere though, if we're not careful, we've ate 10 meals and not thank God. Clothes on your body. And you see, when the Lord sees you, he sees the entire earth at the same time. God is outside of the earth while in the earth. He's outside of time while in time. And he looks out and there's somewhere, somebody's starving in a third world country and you've got food and all in your cupboards and you can go days and not even thank God for it. Somebody begging for a meal, seeking God for something. God, I just, I, I'll, I'll go without eating. Just give me enough food to feed my babies. I think in the stories I was telling last night, about my grandmother when the coal mines was on strike in West Virginia. We was crying talking about it. This is where I come from. My grandmother, back in the hills of West Virginia, the coal mining days, they didn't have enough food to feed the babies. And she got on her knees. She said, God, there's no job. The coal mines on strike. There's no income, Lord. She got on her knees and said, God, I don't know what to do, but I need you to provide food for my babies. Next day, she goes out for the chance. There's a bag of groceries on the porch. Until the day she died, she didn't know who had given it except God had provided food for her babies. Lord, got a baby here, can't afford milk, coal mines is on strike. There was no supplemental programs in those days, back in the 30s. And uh, Lord, I need milk. Next day, go to the door, and the man that delivers the milk is at the door. She said, oh. he said, here's your milk. She said, I, I can't afford that. I don't have any money. He said, oh, no. He said, somebody's already paid for that. Until the coal mines went back to work, the milk was delivered consistently, and she never had to pay, but God had provided. How many know he's still a provider? He's still a provider. Come on, and when you were busted and broke and disgusted and you came to the Lord and God began to fix you and begin to heal you, begin to take care of you, aren't you glad he didn't, he didn't just do it once, but now, look, you've got more than you need. Your cup overfloweth. Amen. You, I ain't never had to pray for a meal. I've never, never had to pay for a meal, and I know it's random, but let me talk to you for a minute. I feel the Lord. Can I take my time here this morning? Last, on Friday night, I, I, uh, the, the airlines didn't do it right. Usually, I fly pretty often. Sometimes this time of year, about every week, every other week, I'm on a plane. And uh, had some delays. I asked the gate agent, I said, look, you can be real. You, if you just let me know right now that whether I'm gonna be able to make my next flight in Atlanta, I could go home. I can, I can go back to the resort here with my family. I said, but if you think I can make it, then I'm gonna go on. She said, oh, you got plenty of time. Took her advice, got on a plane. Did I make my next flight? No. It's after 11 o'clock at night. Get there. I, my phone gives me some update, sends me to the wrong gate. I get there and I'm all by myself. Hit the clock. Now listen, I'm a pretty calm individual, but I felt my blood start boiling because I'm in a strange land. I don't know where to go. I fly through Atlanta, but not to Atlanta. All the hotels are booked. I'm frustrated. I finally said, where am I gonna go? 
Am I going to sleep in the streets? What am I going to do? All the hotels are full. They sent me on some tram. I went down to get this hotel and I'm sitting there. Now listen to me. I'm sitting there. My money doesn't mean anything. Credit cards don't mean anything. Nobody knows who I am. That wouldn't matter anyhow. And I look across, there's a homeless man. Set with like a onesie deal pulled up and somebody had given him some fries and he's eating it. And I thought to myself, I'm in the same condition as him. I'm homeless. I don't have anywhere to go and I don't know how to get anywhere. And for a minute, I thought to myself, every day people get up in this situation. But I got a warm home. I have every day more food. I don't need anybody giving to me because God's given me everything I need. And for a moment, it humbled me to a moment to realize where I could be if it wasn't for the Lord. God has been good to me. And you think for a minute, I'm going to go to church and not praise him? Uh Uh-uh, I'm going to praise him. He's put health in my body, money in my pocket, food on my table, health in my home. I've got a right to praise him. Hallelujah. Thank God for a good wife that calmed me down. She was certainly my helpmate. I called her and I said, I'm so upset. By the way, I did get a hotel. I didn't have to sleep on the street. God provided and I was thankful. My wife said, who knows? She said, you, you teach the church when you're inconvenienced. It's an opportunity. Am I, you ever been so mad you didn't want to pray? Did I just say that out loud or was I thinking it in my head? Oh my God, the pastor just said he's so mad he didn't want to pray. Guilty as charged. And my sweet wife, she says, you, you know, honey, you probably ought to just pray. <laughs> Welcome the pastor of the Anchor Church from here on out, amen. <laughs> she said, you've always said when you're inconvenienced, it can lead to an opportunity because your steps are ordered to the Lord. Now, when you're standing outside in the cold trying to get to a shuttle and you're freezing, you're not dressed for it and you're out there for a half hour and you're frustrated because every shuttle comes from the same hotel and not the one you're going to, you know, you still don't want to pray. You're just mad. Everybody just mad? Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you know you've got clay feet. Finally go to bed, get in the hotel about 1 o'clock, get up at 6.30, go to get on an airplane. And this amazing person sits down beside me on the plane, seeking the Lord, loves God. I was praying before I got on, praying before I left on the plane with Finn and my wife. As I do, quietly, the person beside me said, it's encouraging to see somebody praying. I said, I don't know what I'd do without God. She said, me either. Starts talking about the Lord and the things of God. Spirit of prophecy came over me, started talking to her about what I felt God was going to do in her life. We're going off the plane, she says to me, she says, you know, I chose to sit in this seat. My seat's actually back there. Now, I ain't never been on a plane where I chose to sit in a seat between two strangers. I ain't never done it. Especially when I got one by the window and I don't have anybody touching me right here. Can I get a witness somebody that flies every now and then? I took Brother Cody with me one time. He, he got on a flight in the mid-seat between a football team. <laughs> He looked like a slice of cheese on a sandwich between those two big <laughs> linemen. You remember that, Brother Cody? He got off the plane. He's sort of like this. I said, hey, Brother Cody. He said, hey, Pastor. But God began to move. 
Quit judging your situation on your inconvenience. I preached it last Sunday night. Quit naming things according to the present situation that it doesn't seem like it's the will of God and open your eyes to the hills and say, God's got a plan. God's got a plan for my life. Oh, I gotta preach to you. I'm hitting the clock, but I feel like I need to preach to you, right? Can I preach to you a little while? And Uzziah had forgot that his, 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 his steps were ordered from God. He forgot the value of a priest that here and there would say, go to war, don't go to war. Don't do this, yes, do this. The priest that would give clarity and direction from the house of God, in the house of God. And now all of a sudden, he doesn't need any of that now. He's gonna do his own thing his own way. When he does, leprosy comes in his forehead, sin, and he dies not going to church because choices do bring repercussions. You say, it's not fair that I did this wrong, but I've got to deal with this. Choices will bring repercussions. And he has an heir to the throne named Jotham. And oh, I, 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 God have mercy. Jotham does that which is right in the eyes. I can't move on. I can't move on to preach right now. Somebody needs to learn to be thankful for the house of God again. I feel this. I, I can move on and preach, but I feel, don't you ever fall out of love with the house of God and the things of God and the wisdom of God, the blessings of God, the care of God. You've got to get a grateful heart and say, if it wasn't for the Lord, if it wasn't for the church, if it wasn't for the saints, come on, stand to your feet and say, God, renew a love for me. A renew a love in me for the things of God. In the name of Jesus. Not just a place I go to when I'm in trouble. Lord, not just a place I go to when things are going well. Oh, Lord, I was glad when they said, unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Somebody say amen. Lift your hands and love him. Would you do that? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, I'm seeking your will right now for this service. What is it, Lord, that you would have me to say? What is it you'd have me to do? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Do you have a few minutes? Can I finish this? Y'all gonna help me preach? Y'all gonna help me preach? You can be seated. Let me finish what I feel to give you. Jotham, his son, became heir. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 27 and 2, if they will follow along. The Bible says that he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Uzziah did because Uzziah for a long period of time did right but made a choice that ended wrong. You see, it's not how you start this that matters. It's how you end this that matters. You can start it right and end it wrong. You can start it wrong and you can end this right. Can somebody say amen? And the Bible says that Jotham, his son, did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. But look at this clause, what it says, which Uzziah did. How be it? He entered not into the temple of the Lord. Not one time in his, in his kingship did he ever go to the house of God. And he had a son by the name of Ahaz. Ahaz was wicked in all of his ways. The Bible tells us this in 2 Chronicles 28 and 24. And Ahaz gathered together the vessels of the house of God, cut in pieces the vessels of the house of God, and shut up the doors of the house of the Lord. What did he do? Not only did he not go, he, he shut the door so nobody can go. And in all the years of Ahaz, there was not an access to God's house. 
the glorious splendor, the wonder of wonders, a place where queens would come to see is now the doors are shut. There's no activity. There's no sounds of prayer. You can't hear now the songs of Zion. No longer can you smell the burnt incense, neither the, the burnt offerings. It is dead, it is closed, it's empty. In his whole kingship, nobody went to the temple of God. He was against anybody going. Matter of fact, he built altars to other gods, worshiped heathen gods, and took his own kids, took his own children, and caused them to walk to the altars of heathen gods. He would make them take their shoes off, and they would, you don't have to do that. You might have holes in your socks. I grew up in this. Preachers always use me as an example. I thought, my lands. They would make them firewalkers, asceticism it's called. Walk barefoot. Ahaz made his own kids, including Hezekiah, walk across altars of heathen gods barefooted as an offering to the heathen gods. Who would have ever thought would not only not go, but would take them out and put them in things as sacrifice, put them in the world, knowing what's going to happen to them. Put them, take them out of church and put them in the world where they're going to be scarred for life. Well, you know what? I just, you know, it, it just, uh, uh, listen, you can never let offense keep you from the house of God. You can't even let your own sin keep you from the house of God. I'm going to tell you, because not only do you need it, but he needs it. Otherwise, he's going to be scarred by the world, scarred by sin, scarred by the ways of the world. Come on, any of you ever went out of the church, then came back, but you came back with some scars of sin, mistakes and failures and regrets, and it's a scar of what used to be. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody. Don't take your babies out of the house of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Watch what happens. It stirs my soul. Somewhere though Ahaz dies, and he remembers what it was like to grow up not going to the house of God with stories of years ago of what it used to be like. And something when he became of age, he said, you know what I'm gonna do? And the Bible says in the next chapter, in the first year, in the first month, you know what he did? He opened the house of the church. He opened the house of God because he realizes what happens when you don't go to the house of God. You end up in fires that don't belong to you. You end up with pain that you should have never had. You end up in places you should have never been. Come on, you end up with addictions that should have never been in your family because you went away from the house of God. I come to preach to this congregation. Choices do matter. I say to every dad in this building, you need to understand the 14 minute decisions can, can affect you for the next 14 years. You need to understand everybody in this room, mistakes that you make now, decision choices you make now can affect your family for the next 30. But somebody's gotta stand up like Joshua and say, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. We're gonna pray every day. We're gonna put God first. I want my kids in this. I want them to live the way Let's stand to our feet, everybody in the building. Clap your hands and thank you for his word. I don't want to be like Ahaz. I want to be like Hezekiah. I told my kids last night, honey, not because I have any desire to, 
But I told my kids last night, I said, one of these days, you've got to make a choice for yourself, and choices have repercussions. I said, you, you're going to live for God? And we're just having dialogue. We've been praying. The Holy Ghost was moving. I've got great kids. This is no reflection of conversation on anything they're doing wrong. But I said, one of these days, because I'm choosing friends now. I'm choosing what you watch or not watch, how much time on media or not on media. Choosing what you listen to, where you go and hang out. I'm choosing the environment where you're in. But there'll be a day that you're going to choose your own environment. But just remember, I told them as I tell you. Come on, I'm going to preach to my kids and you. That's some of your problem out there as parents. You only let me preach to them. You don't ever have conversations with them about the world. Listen, I, I, I feel this. It's not right that your kids got to learn about sex for somebody immoral, unholy, ungodly. They don't know the limitations of it. They don't know the boundaries of it. They don't know what it's for, what it's about, except they just go explore. There should never be exploratory sexual relationships because mom and dad didn't step in and say, we got to talk about something and we're, we're, we're embarrassed now. We don't want to talk about it. You, you're not even going to... Dad, do you got to talk to us about this? Mom, are you serious? Yep, sit down. It's as awkward for me as it is going to be for you, but I want you to hear it from a biblical perspective instead of a heathen perspective. Amen. Quit leaving devotion up to the Sunday school teacher and the youth pastor and have some conversations, real conversations at home. Answer the questions they have and say, I don't know, just tell, do what I tell you to do. That's not working nowadays. Because what I do know is Isaiah, when you make a choice, it's going to affect Jotham. And Jotham, it's going to affect Ahaz. And Ahaz, it's going to affect Hezekiah. One decision could affect three to four generations. One decision could affect three to four generations. I'm in transparent. I told my kids last night. I said, I could go ruin my life tonight. I could drop you off the house and go out to the bar. Get drunk and who knows what you, I don't know. I haven't been there. But what I see is most people in jail are because of what they did when they were drunk or high. I can talk like this because I was chaplain for many years. Because what they did when they were intoxicated. I had a buddy that was a great guy until he got drunk. And he'd steal and fight and rob. What I'm telling you right now, this sin is not a respecter of persons. Doesn't matter if you've been a king for 50 years. Doesn't matter. When sin comes in, it separates. It deteriorates. It isolates. It's a pleasure of sin for a short season. Then here comes the destruction. putting stuff in your body you never thought you'd do. Sin. Eating out, your, eating out your liver. Messing up your kidneys. Messing up your mind and your spirit. Your emotions all over the place. So now you got to go supplement something to get that stuff back in because other stuff took it away. Come on. Being real with you. Sin. would love to absolutely destroy your life. That's why he went to Calvary to remove sin out of your life. The Bible says 
decisions towards sin. When sin gets in your members, it leads to bondage. But when righteousness gets in, it leads to life. Uzziah's choice to do it his own way affected Jotham, and it got progressively worse in the next generation. Not taking your kids to church, I promise you, you're going to regret it. And not creating an atmosphere where they can be holy and righteous and hear the word, you'll regret it. I've never had one person to tell me, you know, I regret taking my kids to the house of God. But this unending story says, I wish I'd have never left the church. I wish we'd have stayed there, got kids involved, had them up there on the front row. Listen, all you mamas in the building, that you got babies. Train up a child in the way they should go. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Jesus loves you. Hezekiah said, I'm sick of this. Somewhere he got a hold of the word. And guess what he did in 2 Chronicles 29 and 3. You ready? He, in the first year of his reign, in the first month, opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. You know what he was saying? I'm sick of it. I'm the one that got the scars out of your choices. Great grandpa, he's gone now. But look what your choice did to me. It scarred me. And some of you are living in the repercussions of your parents' decisions. And you're the one suffering. You're the one with the heat. You're the one shamed and barefooted. You're the one getting broken because of what mom and dad decided to do, what grandma and grandpa decided to do. And you're, you're beating yourself up over something they let leprosy in. But Hezekiah understood a principle of scripture. Whoever returns to God can break the curse and bring the blessing. Because choices matter. Choices can affect my kids, my grandkids, even my great-grandkids. But there's this verse that's in scripture. Are y'all ready for this? The Bible says that Levi... Hold your hand out like this. Levi received tithes in the bosom of Abraham. Four generations before, when Abraham was tithing, when Abraham was giving of himself to the kingdom, before one baby came out of his wife's womb, there was blessing in his DNA that was gonna go to Abraham, Isaac, to Jacob, when he's long gone, going to be inside of Levi receiving things because of choices made by great grandpa. Read it, it's in the scripture. What are you saying, pastor? I'm going to say you might be standing here with a scarred feet, with a leprosy in your head, scarred hands, a scarred liver, scarred lungs, scarred past, scarred relationships, scarred emotions, and you said, I'm sick of it. I come to tell you, you can be the Hezekiah in your family that's gonna bring victory, joy, and peace, and happiness. Come on, don't, don't, don't live in the curse of somebody else's choice. You can break that curse today and say, I'm returning to the house of God. I'm getting God's house in order. 
oh, there's so much more I could preach. He did. He set it in order. And you know what the response was? The Bible says there was great rejoicing. There was great joy that fell upon the people. The people were so excited when they came to the house of God. After seven days, they said, can we stay seven more? It's been so long. Kids, they used to hear the old songs. For the first time in their life, they're hearing the trumpet sound and the ram's horn and the songs of Zion. And they're smelling the smell of incense again in the presence of God. They're saying, I haven't felt this since I was a kid. What is it? It's the doors open to the house of God. you imagine not going to church for the next 50 years? The next 70 years and have welled in the altar? Nothing. I'm telling you right now. As for me and my house, we're going to church. Come on, grandbabies are going to be raised in the house of God. I'm not missing a service. I want them here. I don't want my great-grandkids to have scarred feet and scarred hearts, scarred emotions. No, 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 no. I promise you as I close, you will serve something. And if it's not God, it'll be bondage. It'll be addiction. Self-gratification. Are you ready? And here's what you're going to be serving. The tearing off of yourself. The self-destruction. Until you don't have any confidence left. Your toes are gone. Your nose. I'm talking about lepers. Until you're not what you're supposed to be. No longer beautiful and glorified in the presence of God. Only a piece of you left. I'm preaching to somebody right now that you feel broken and in darkness. You're only one prayer away from changing the trajectory of your kids, kids. Harden, when I came back to you and you had bone cancer and I came back to you and the Lord sent me to you, came to your seat there were addictions in your family, brokenness in your family had been living for the Lord at one period of time I come back and I said the Lord said he's going to forgive you if you just repent and that one prayer completely changed the trajectory of you, your wife your kids, the grandkids that hold on to your legs when you come in the house of God. Change it completely. And I'm going to tell you what I feel. He's not done changing the trajectory. There's more family members on the way. <laughs> come on, Brother Timothy. It changes the direction. It changes... Pastor Tony Richard made a statement one time I'll never forget. He said, when I came to the Lord, I made choices I didn't know I made. He said, when I came to the he said, when I left the church at 18, I didn't know this was going to go wrong. That was going to go wrong. I'd end up in this and this would happen. He said, I didn't know that. I was just leaving. He said, when I came back to the house of God, I didn't know this was going to happen. He said, I didn't know when I went to the altar, my wife would follow me, my son would follow me. He said, I didn't know my mother-in-law would follow me and my father-in-law would follow me. I didn't know God was going to do this and give me this and do this and that. I can tell you right now, choices make a difference. They can either bring curses or they can bring blessings. Come on, they can bring regrets or they can bring joy and happiness. I'm so glad I chose to live for him. I'm so glad I walked with him today. Every day you get up, you make a choice. Choose righteousness. 
choose to go with the Lord, I promise you, you'll never regret it. Come on, let there be an amen. Would you just respond to the word today? The Bible says let there be an amen. Come on, go ahead all over the building. Come on, backslider, that you're wavering. You don't know what to do. I'm telling you, come on. You've got scarred feet, but God's got blessings for you. You could turn this whole thing around. He's just waiting on you to make a choice. Come on. The Bible says, choose you this day whom you will serve. He's already chosen you. He's waiting on you to respond to his call. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Where's the dad in the building that says... I'm not going the way of the world. I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. Where's the mother? Where's the grandmother? Says, I'm turning this thing around. Come on. Mama's ought to be running to this altar right now and say, I'm going to live for Jesus. My kids are going to know God. My grandbabies are going to know the Lord. Come on. There's a blessing coming. But you got to turn it around. You can stop the curse in one prayer meeting. You can stop the leprosy, the sin, the effect of it. And one prayer meeting with Jesus Christ can turn every single thing around. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, ministers, come and help me. Altar working team, come and help me. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.